0: And a lot of people feel like they got to show up and knock it out of the park every time. And they got to, you know, the progress goes like this. It doesn't. It goes like that. The worst kind of advice to give is the kind that's never been asked for in the first place, because your best intentions are received with resentment. I learned that lesson a long time ago. So now I just shut the F up and I'm a better listener. Good
1: morning from Los Angeles for the L.A. edition of the Spencer Lodge podcast. In partnership with our incredible sponsors, Najahi Events and our new sponsor, Vault Hill. More about them later. Okay, who's the godfather of personal training? Do you know him? Did you buy one of those programs, those CD or DVD sets many years ago where you could do that training from home? Well, today's guest is literally the godfather, the guy that did the infomercials, the guy that made us work out from home and feel comfortable in our own skin. His name's Tony Horton, and if you haven't seen him before, the moment you see his face, you will recognize him, as he tells us the phenomenal story about how he started his life, wanting to be an actor, moving into the personal training world, and conquering it for us to all benefit from. Let's cue the music and get stuck into this great interview. Vault Hill is the world's first human-centric metaverse that's opened its doors for brands and entities to launch their presence in the metaverse in only 48 hours. This is the fastest activation ever and the first time ever any metaverse has offered this. Upon this activation process, brands will receive free virtual land in Vault Hill City and can give life to their metaverse presence by buying buildings in the Vault Hill marketplace and deploy it on their dedicated V-Land. Then brands can customize their land using unbounded creativity. They can display their own NFTs or upload different media, logos, or digital creations to start to capitalize from their digital assets. Go check out vaulthill.io. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. So, Tony, first of all, thanks for coming to join us on the show today. I appreciate it. I'm here in L.A. I'm in your backyard as I'm filming the content here. But the thing that kind of shocks me about America is that everyone's so fat. <laughs> Not everyone. Well, it seems to be a lot of people are really fat here. Yeah. Now, you're a guy that is somebody whose content i consume i see you you're, you're committed to helping people live, live a healthier life and uh, whether that's losing weight or just being fit and healthy eating the right food thinking the right, right way getting your mind organized but is this a kind of like a journey of you having to swim against the tide to try and get this nation to be fitter
0: slimmer healthier than they were 50 years ago yes yes i am i'm swimming against the tide because uh you know, I mean, I don't know how the heck it got this way. It all started in the 70s. I mean, if you and I were having this conversation in 1968, you wouldn't say that because it was very different then. And there's a combination, a, a myriad, a panoply, a cornucopia of different reasons why it's all gone so bad for so many people. Um, and I can get into that, but, but really my job is to kind of focus on what I can do. And I think there's a lot of different ways to try to get there. And a lot of them are bull crap, because they're just short-term ephemeral ways to try to look good uh, for a short period of time for a wedding or for a graduation or, or because, you know, you're just sick and tired of looking, at, looking and feeling a certain way. But what I try to do is I try to come up with, with philosophies and techniques and methods. Everything's in a list of threes with me, by the way, um, mm-hmm. to help people understand the importance of exercise so that they can have a more fulfilled life. You know what I mean? A lot of people are just doing it for all the wrong reasons. They're doing it for their ego and they're doing it for aesthetics and they're doing it for other people. When in reality, you know, if you work out, once you're going to feel better afterward. I mean, that's the main reason why I work out. And I just tell people to be patient and be present and sort of enjoy the journey and then make make some dietary sh- shifts as well. You know what I mean? It's, it's I don't understand why people want to get like want to make tremendous physical changes and they and they get frustrated after week 5 you know i mean but we never questioned that you had to go from first grade to second grade to third grade tw- all the way to 12th grade that took 12 years but i want you know i want to go from you know 85 pounds overweight to you know looking like a supermodel in a short period of time and i quit you know and so you know there's a lot of different factors to to make that happen but a lot of people it's just too overwhelming for some you know they get so far gone That they don't understand that it just takes time, it takes variety, it takes intensity, it takes patience, it takes a plan, it takes accountability comes from surrounding yourself with the right people, you know what I mean? And a lot of people don't have the right people around them. They don't have it in their house, they don't have it in their neighborhood, they don't have it at work, they don't have it in their state. You know what I mean? There's some states where 71% of the people in, in the population are overweight, so when they look around, they think it's normal. Like, oh, everybody's big. Big is normal now. You know what I mean? And, of course, they're suffering. You know, they're dying early, and they're suffering more than they have to. And their lives have gotten so small. Because when you're overweight, you're overwhelmed. There's only so much that you can physically do. You know, let's just hope when you get to the airport and the escalator's functioning. Because if it ain't, you got two suitcases, and you got to get up that thing, and you're going to die of a heart attack at the top of the stairs. You know, so, you know, there's a, there, life becomes so much more rewarding, so much more interesting um, when you take care of yourself. Because the, the physical is the foundation. How you eat and what you do physically is the foundation of who you are as a human being. Then everything else is just, you know, cherries and frosting on top of that cake. Okay. I get where you're coming from, but
1: I'm going to give you some examples here of, of, of what I see as some of the problems and something that happened firsthand last week. So mm. one of my sisters is a personal trainer in the UK. She went on vacation with her kids into Mallorca, an island off the coast of Spain, and She sat watching at this all-inclusive hotel, the kids at 7.30 in the morning, sitting at the breakfast table, eating donuts and cakes and pints of Coca-Cola. And And the parents too. And chronically obese, uh, obviously really bad lifestyle choices. And she decided to write a post about it. And on the post, she said, it makes me almost embarrassed to be British here, to see so many people that are so overweight with their kids overweight and clearly with a really bad lifestyle because this is the outcome, and it came from a place of care from her. So she she was she was upset by it. She's a trainer. She wants people to live a, you know a healthier life. She wants people to be you know carrying the kind of weight they should be carrying, and all of those normal things that all of you guys do. Hmm. But the backlash,
0: oh gosh.
1: was insane. So how dare you fat shame people? They're on their holiday. If I'm on my vacation, then I'm going to be eating donuts too. And you can't, you know, this is a fat shaming incident. People like you that are personal trainers shouldn't be talking about people. You don't know what their personal situation is. You don't know what their medical condition is, blah, 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 yeah, blah. blah. Oh yeah. Now, Ben there. My, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, this is why I'm asking your advice. So her name's Jade. And Jade doesn't post very often apart from... Videos of her workouts and and success stories that her clients hmm. have. Hmm. So, for her to be controversial, okay, was very unusual for her. I said, but I but when we spoke about that it.
0: that, was not I, her intention. I no, no, no. I said to her, speak from the heart. I said, because if you
1: want to take on more clients, you've got to show people before and after. OK, so people want to see results. I said, but you've also got to show people the journey and you've also got to ex- uh, explain some of the problems. And so she's wrote this post. She's taken these pictures. She's wrote this post. And from that post, this backlash has come. Speak from the heart. Tell the truth. Tell it as you see it. And she's a female. It's not a male. So tell it as you see it. And even she got this almighty backlash because of it, which then made her fear talking about what i regard as the truth now let's add that because i want to i want to get some real perspective here to me okay that gets up every day at 4 30 as all my listeners and viewers know goes to the gym at five o'clock and there's a group of people that are around me not in the same gyms or anything that like to get up early and work out we are regarded as weirdos <laughs> okay it's almost like we why why would you do that You know, why do you, why why do you need to go to the gym every day? Why do you need, you know, you're 52 years old. Why do you need to do that kind of stuff? You know, blah, blah, blah. So she's got this backlash of fat shaming and all this kind of negative connotation there. And then I'm a weirdo because I go and work out. You're a guy that's trained some of the most famous people in the world. You've built a business and an empire around trying to get people to do the right thing. Why are we living in a society where these types of examples are such a problem?
0: Oh, boy, you're hitting me up with the tough stuff, aren't you, Spencer? Um, well, I can use myself as an example, right? I mean, when I was a young kid, I, I had a speech impediment. I wasn't a great student. I wasn't a great athlete. I wasn't very coordinated. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have the, the intel uh, or, the, or the right mentors in my life uh, to be able to make any kind of changes. So, you know, for me, I took a weightlifting class in college, you know because i i wanted to meet more women i thought if my arms were bigger i would meet more women it turns out you need a you know a few dollars in the bank and a personality to go with your arms <coughs> which i discovered later <laughs> in life you know what i mean but what i noticed was and a lot of people are not having that experience or some version of that experience where you know it was just sort of a a happy okay i looked at all the different courses like oh weightlifting oh that'll be fun you know what i mean and what i found was the 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 teacher was just this great guy, just this very funny, very animated, very thoughtful, very patient, um, really explained or cued things quite well for me that I could understand. So I went from somebody who was completely clueless, who was not athletic, who had no desire to exercise in that way whatsoever. And I just had the right person in my life for the course of a semester to Uh help me. Learn something. Now, of course, the semester ended. I got an A, I believe, because I mean, you know, it wasn't that hard to do. I just enjoyed it right away because of him, right? So I, I and because of everybody else in the class also wanted to be there. And so I was surrounded with a bunch of people who were doing this thing I never wanted to do before, knew nothing about, but all of a sudden we were immersed in this process. And it became fun. And I thought, well, okay, you know, I'll just keep doing what he says. And I kept tracking my progress. And at the end of it, you know, I mean, I, I looked. I looked and felt better. My GPA went up, I, and I didn't have a. I didn't struggle getting up in the morning. I just felt sharper. I felt like I could focus more. And so there's just a whole lot of people in this country that don't that don't have the right people around them, or the right information, or the right resources to begin to make some change. And they fall prey to whatever the hell's on the internet, or whatever's on a in an infomercial on television, and they they and that and that all that other stuff and there's a lot of it out there that's decent and a lot of it's crap because the, the the stuff that's crap are just organizations looking for the next quick thing to make a bunch of money to to bamboozle a bunch of folks out there and so people become very bitter and crmugeny um <laughs> uh, about the process and they just feel like you know what nothing works for me and this is just who I am and and uh, and, and that's why it's been a struggle an uphill battle for me but, but my, I'm, I guess I'm a bit of an anomaly because I'm not just a yoga instructor. I'm not just a Pilates instructor. I don't do just weightlifting. I discovered to keep more people in the game, you've got to avoid the boredom and the injuries and the plateaus that come from doing the same thing over and over again. Uh-huh. Like it's Einstein doing the same things over and over again, you know, expecting a different result is insanity. So to avoid those things and to keep it interesting. I add in all these modifications. I tell people it's okay to stop halfway between, you know, you're in the middle of an an hour workout, stop at the 20 minute mark, who cares? You know what I mean? Oh, hey, you know what, like I wrote a book, the big picture the first law is do your best to forget the rest. You know what I mean? What that basically says is, some days you're gonna feel strong, you're gonna feel great, your biorhythms are spot on, the atmospheric pressure is perfect, you had a great night of sleep, you know, you're hydrated, there's all these different things that maybe you did or didn't do the day before that allows you to go and kick some ass. Other days, you know, you're getting over a cold, you had a fight with your your kid, just got a tattoo on his forehead, you're all upset, your adrenal glands are through the roof, your cortisol levels are crazy, so you're not going to have a good workout. That's okay. You know what I mean? And a lot of people feel like they got to show up and knock it out of the park every time, and they got to, you know, the progress goes like this. It doesn't. It goes like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's just important to understand that there's nuance here and that it takes time. But there's, you know, I'm one guy, and there's a lot of other trainers out there that are some of them are like shrinks. Some of them are caretakers. Some of them are drill sergeants. You know what I mean? I'm all of it, all of the time. I mean, I used to do comedy, sort of. I wasn't very funny, but I tried. And it's a whole matter of knowing your audience, right? So my job is to understand. Like when I'm, you know, I'm not name dropping here, but I knew that on certain days, Tom Petty or Billy Idol or Bruce Springsteen, maybe the night before they had a concert, maybe the night, maybe they were, you know, using party as a verb. I don't, I don't know, right? And so I had to sort of feel the room one on one as I would as would I as I would try to do when I was doing stand-up. And a lot of people are just so myopic or so pious about their technique that they're turning off more people than they're turning on. You know what I mean? Do you know do you
1: know a guy called James Smith? Don't know that name. Okay, so the fastest growing PT uh, online at the moment is a guy called James Smith. I and don't he's in like the him. UK like and uh he's uh James he's um Damn you. he makes he makes very kind of in your face videos where he's pulling apart some stuff. And basically his his philosophy is um, you've got to have a cal- calorific deficit if you want to lose weight. But I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago and, and past that persona that he has online, I I was asking him some real questions. And, and what he said to me is the first question you really have to ask your potential client. If you're a trainer is, are you happy? Because, Happiness will trump everything. I wouldn't disagree with that. And so, if you're a little bit overweight, but you're really happy, then what's to change? If you're a little bit underweight, but you're really happy, then what's to change? It has to be happiness at the core of it. And so, whilst we're, you know, people are forever trying to pursue how they think other people want them to look, what makes you happy and what makes you unhappy? When you've got clients over the years that may not have gone from, uh, you know, from, well, you do it in pounds, but I'll do it in kilos, from 90 to 80 kilos in, you know, the period of time, but actually really enjoy the workouts they do with you. They enjoy the sessions. They get a buzz out of it. They then go off and have a great day at work because they feel alive and uh, they feel energized, which is almost like me. Is that is that not actually a really great outcome to have anyway? The happiness part? The happiness, and rather than to be, you know, the person that's focused on the diet and losing weight, be the person that's focused on feeling energized and Feeling good, the mental
0: and emotional. Yeah. The physical always leads to the mental and emotional. If you're in physical, if you're suffering from pain or fatigue, which most people are, chronic, 24-7, then where's the happy? It's really hard to find happy. So what they do is they use sources outside of themselves, drugs and alcohol, you know, Porn, I don't know what their thing is, right, just to get little glimpses of it, all right? They're trying to get that dopamine dump, right? But they're using sources that are creating more damage than good, so it's a very short-term, very ephemeral feel-good thing, but they're still getting heavier, and they're still dealing with, you know, irritable bowel syndrome and leaky gut and leaky brain and, and, you know, you name it. There's all these things, and so they're taking... Not, they're not only maybe possibly using drugs and alcohol that are illegal or illegal. I mean, weed's legal everywhere now, so everybody's getting high because they're trying to you know, just feel good for a second. But that's what exercise does. That's what it does for you. That's what it does for me. I don't necessarily like exercise. You like working legs. I'm not a fan, but I'm a skier, as are you. And so I work my legs because I want to go to Jackson Hole, and I want to ski top to bottom, and I want to stand there and look up there at the age of 64 and go, F Yeah. That's just ah uh, right? Yeah. But it's taken me decades to be able to get that mindset. You know, I was used to work out three days a week and I would eat chimichangas and burgers, and, but I was young and I had a you know, metabolism like a hummingbird on crack, right? So I could get away with it then. There you go, Boom up, boom my hair all week. Um, <laughs> I've said that before, by the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so you're absolutely right. It's the mental and emotional state that exercise puts you in because you're gonna look exactly the same in the mirror after a really hard workout as you did prior to starting that workout this the the the, the ego-based eccentric change that comes over time it shouldn't be on the top of the list it should be somewhere toward the bottom
1: okay i get that that's that's for your average man should it be in today's society or should we be allowed or not allowed to be honest should we be allowed or not allowed to be honest? Because you're, 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 you're I'm, I'm sure thinking what you're talking about, because honesty is the most important thing. But nowadays it seems like we can't be honest. No. We can't tell the truth. We can't say as it is. And how dare we ever have an opinion, <clears throat> excuse me, of somebody else's situation? How dare we, in that example of my sister, fat shame. You know, you can't you can't just be honest with people. If you have somebody that comes in to work out with you and they're Fifty pounds overweight. I don't pull any punches with folks. Okay, I don't pull any. I don't. I, why I don't? You know. And do you? Do you? Do you have a precursor? There? Do you ask permission to be a straight talker with them? Or I you- just
0: kind of am. You know I me. Mean? I mean, they get a sense of me. Like you got a sense of me before we sat down here and had this conversation. Yeah. We had another conversation. You know, we got a sense of each other right away. And I have that. I do a fitness assessment with people. I mean, I used to. I don't train people when I want anymore. And they kind of get to know me. And I would say, hey, look. This is going to be a long journey. This is not going to happen. You know what I mean? It depends. Like, you know, if you're a, if you're a 27-year-old ex-gymnast and you're, you know, you're 18 pounds overweight, I get to kick your ass right away, right? Because you, you, know, you have that history. You know how to push the edge of the envelope. That's kind of who you are anyway. You just, you got, you know, you got married, you had a couple kids, and you know, you're, back, you're back in the game. But some people have never, you know, when I started with Tom Petty for the first time, I mean, hi, Tony, I'm Tom Petty, and I've never lifted a weight in my life. And then i would put out the cigarette, and then, I, you know, I would talk about push. I've never done a push-up, you know what I mean? So I'd hand him 12-pound weights, and he'd lay on the bench, and his arms would go, Brow! I mean, he just, it was completely, so the first month was instructional. And I didn't mind that. I mean, I'm, I, I, that's the reason why I became a successful trainer. That's the reason why I'm still successful is because I can read people, and I don't shove stuff down their throat. And people who are where it's a complete anomaly, I can go, okay, man, we're in the learning process right now. Don't worry about the weight loss thing. We're not going to get on a scale. I'm not going to break out the tape measure. You know, and it, we're, we're just trying to help your endurance so that when you're on the road and you're on stage, you feel good, your, your voice is good. That's the main focus. And this first month is we're just going to play. We're going to teach you how to do this, that, and the other. It's all instructional. It's all cueing. It's all making sure that his core is engaged and his form is good and that he's breathing properly. You know what I mean? And then after a while, as you start to see progress with a client, then you can kind of go, dude, I think those 12s are worthless. we got we got to move up to 15s. So, oh, I don't know, you know. Okay. So people trusted me mm-hmm. because, I, a, I had a sense of humor. You know what I mean? And I was a real person. I wasn't a, you know. Except for, you know, when I was at Stephen Stills' house, David Crosby used to call me a surf Nazi. I don't know why. I'm, I have no affiliation with surfers or Nazis. But he just was, was afraid of me. He was not going to work out. But, you know, I mean, it's just, I think a trainer to be successful has to be pliable, has to be, uh-huh. you know, uh, has to be open-minded, has to be a drill sergeant on some days, has to be a caretaker on some days, has to be a therapist on other days. Mm. You know what I mean? Because people have moods. Mm-hmm. And you want them to be consistent. Consistency is everything. What can I do day to day, week after week, month, or month, month after month, to create enough variety to make it fun so that, you know, fun's part of it. You know what I mean? I don't really want to be here today. I go, well, then let's, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. Let's change gears completely. We don't have to do legs if you don't want to do legs. We'll work out on your core. I'll be here for 20 minutes instead of an hour and a half. At least, you know, as long as you're moving like a shark. You just got to keep moving doesn't matter what pace doesn't matter what speed as long as you keep moving and you keep pushing the envelope a little bit, and tracking your progress too is important right if you look at the competitive
1: sports in
0: all areas now we have
1: this new introduction of men and women no longer competing in the same way that they did before and you're seeing now people that have transitioned from male to female now competing in sporting events at world and national championships mm. How do you view that?
0: Oh, dude. I don't know, man. I mean <laughs> You can see why a lot of people are frustrated because if there's a man converting into a woman, it's not like that testosterone went away. Right? I mean, men typically, I mean it varies from culture to culture and whatever. Men have 40 times testosterone than the women. And women's testosterone, based on their hormonal cycles, based on their on their period and their their cycle, their hormonal changes create these massive variations in their estrogen and testosterone over the course of a month, right? And men don't have that. Men just have testosterone and a little bit of estrogen, and we have it all the time. We can access it all the time. And so when there is that conversion, you know, you could see why certain people get frustrated because some people have an advantage uh, anyway. Have you got kids? No kids. Okay, so I've got
1: two daughters. Mm. One is 20 and one is 23. If if those, uh, my daughters were... Competitive, let's say, swimmers. Let's take that. And they'd worked hard all their life. They'd been training at 4 30 in the morning before the public were allowed to access the swimming pools. They were doing all this full commitment to be part of their state championships, their national championships, to get into the worlds, get into the Olympics. And they've done all of this. They sacrificed so much. You know, a lot of their youth has gone because they've been training and eating the right things because they've become. I know where you're going, man. I know where you're going. If there were my daughters and then that was introduced to them, and all of a sudden they could no longer win because the odds were stacked against them so much, I would blow a gasket. I really would. I don't think I could, I could cope with that because that's so unfair and unjust. You don't see it the other way around, though, do you? Why? What do you mean? You don't way see way? women transitioning to men that want to compete with the men.
0: No, you don't. No, you don't. I wonder why. I think you know why. Well, obviously... <laughs> <laughs> That's you see, pretty here, sarcasm here, there in Furseil. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. Well, because of exactly what I said. There's just, there's just, there's just there's genetics involved. There's, there's there's everything about the testosterone levels in in, in men com, uh, compared to women. It's just different. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that that controversy is, you know, and here's the thing. It's a very woke world now. You know what I mean? And so there's all kinds of things that we have to adapt to at a very high rate of speed. Uh, which can be very frustrating for people who are, you know, I mean, it'd be me, me, me using the word Packer in a sentence and being very frustrated and angry with you because you don't know what it means. You don't know what it means? Haven't you learned that yet? It's the same thing with, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I work for, for Tonal now, and I'm having a great time, and I love working for those folks. And um, uh, I have to be careful, you know, I have to be careful. I'm on a set with different folks from different, you know, there's an indigenous folk, folks over there, and there's some people who are, who are uh, non-binary and all these different things. And me, you know, I did stand-up comedy. I did a very blue act, and I worked with Beachbody for years with people around me that I was familiar with. And and um, so it's the F this and the, the, the you know, I mean, I, I can I can swear with the best yeah. of them. I I feel comfortable that way. You know what I mean? I mean, I also know, I don't, you know, I'm not a convalescent home, you know, throwing F-bombs around. I mean, there's certain, no. know your audience, right? Yeah, but the things, changes are happening so rapidly in general, when it comes to language or behavior or transitioning, um, that it you know it's just happening. I'm so not. Fast. I'm
1: not having that. I, I don't care. I don't care. I, 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 I don't I mean, care. And I'll look at whatever camera is looking at me right now. So for all of my audience out there, you can cut your woke shit out. I'm not interested in your woke stuff because to me it's just nonsense. And so I'm, I won't. I'm, I'm not interested in the world
0: moving in that direction. I'll say this: when I'm on set. Only specific people can be on my set. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I mean I don't look. I don't need to offend anybody, but I'm gonna. F- I, I say things because w- my process when I'm uh, when I'm trying to do my thing on camera with, with three different cameras and the and working with the machine and all that kind of thing is, I you know I, I don't I don't swear like a madman in the workout, but in between I got things I want to say in the way yeah, I want to say old, them. Yeah, but older, right, yeah, yeah. and so so I come in and I go. All right, there's the skin check, the skin thickness checking test. All right, you're good. All right, motherhugger, let's go. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right, and, and it's, it works that way. So everybody knows that, and that's really cool, and that's a very productive, uh, easy, fun set. Penelope
1: Cruz did it. Was a, gave a great example about being offended. She said, "I speak Spanish, and if I hurled abuse at you for the next minute in Spanish." you'd probably start laughing because you've got no idea what I'm saying.
0: Right, right.
1: It's you that gives meaning to the words. Correct. And so if I then holler abuse at you in English, you'll know exactly what it is and you might be offended. It's you that gave meaning to the words. And so this whole thing about people being offended, I can't offend anyone. It's how you decide to receive what I say. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. So so that, that... I I mean, let's become, hey, Sophia, Sophia Sophia works for me. She's the softest, kindest, gentlest person in the whole wide world that would be mortified at offending anybody ever. But for me, it's like, I don't understand what the issue is here. Why can't we just say what we think, okay? Why should we fear offending somebody just by being honest or having an opinion or a belief system that we own? But there are ways to be honest,
0: you know what I mean? uh, Being rude is something different. Right, right. I mean, I think if you're fair and you're civil um, um, and you're thoughtful, you can still be authentic and you can still be honest. You know what I mean? For me, like, I I, I want to be comfortable doing my thing. So I just make sure that the right people are around so I can do it. You know, there's certain people, uh, you know, I mean, I've had instances where, <laughs> oh, my God, when I worked for Beachbody, you know, there were 25 people on a set. It was a big shoot. There was a lot to do. And I was just doing my thing. And I hadn't been, you know, I, I don't work for the company, I'm, I, was a, you know, I was a hire, I was an independent contractor for the company. So I wouldn't be there as the company was growing and changing and HR was becoming a thing, you know what I mean? And I would show up, I haven't been on the set in this particular, with this particular group of people in two years and I'm just doing my thing and people got very upset and they ran to HR and then HR called me and was like, hey man, did you say X, Y, and Z on the set? I went, yeah, and it was funny and most people laughed and if three people didn't, you know, I, then don't put them on my set anymore. Okay, (laughs) I know what you mean. I had an
1: incident in my office eight years ago. There was a a, a guy and a girl that had started dating from, from the office, okay? And she kept coming to work late. And one day she came in late... And she said, oh, I'm so tired today. I'm just so tired. I said, well, if you stop swinging from the chandeliers with that bloke in sales every night, then maybe he wouldn't be so tired. It was completely satirical. It was said humorously. It was a flippant comment as I walked out of the room mm. laughing. She was so offended by what I said. Oh, how dare you think that I swing from chandeliers? I'm like, come on, this is the figure of speech. Right. Now, she left the business. And other people are like, oh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You know, she was a good – I'm like, rubbish. I can't live in a world where I can't say something like that that's quite clearly obviously what's happened. They've just started dating. They're going out, having dinner a lot or whatever it is they're doing and, and, and not have the ability to be able to crack a joke at somebody else's expense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of friends that are comics, you know I mean, having been in that world for a very short period of time. And it's, it's – some of them are making changes because they want to work – you know, what I mean, they want to stay popular. They want their audience to grow. They don't want to deal with the constant bombardment of what your your sister went through, and and like you know, like you know, and others are like hell with it. I'm gonna like you know, imagine uh, Lenny Bruce now or or Sam Kennison now, whether they could even do what they used to do. I mean, my the, my act when I was a comic, I could I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be. be. Well,
1: you've only got to look at sitcoms that were on in the 80s right. and the stuff that we all used to watch back then. And that 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 and even when you watch it today, it's hilarious. But they're like, you could never get you could never get away
0: reproducing that kind of stuff today. No. And it, that's so sad. It is sad because that was I, I think that pendulum, though, that pendulum has, you know, it has swung over here. And I really do believe that that it's I, I hope it starts to swing back to the center. I, I, I really hope it does. And, you know, I mean, it's a constant battle with, with folks. Uh, with me, I'm in a business where, you know, I, <laughs> I have to be careful because yeah. my income is, ba- is based on, uh-huh. on people liking what I do. And so uh-huh. if, I, if I do swing into old school too, too much, then I lose, I lose you know, tens, possibly tens of thousands of people because I do X. You know. do you? Or do you just have... Or do I gain 10,000 uh,
1: new ones? Yeah, because... I don't if, know. Take Andrew Tate. You know, yeah. he's, this guy's blown up, you know, he got banned from all social media, he's now blown he's on every TV show out there, he's on every podcast out there, okay, he's, he's becoming infamous, you know, and he's accused of being right. misogynistic and all of these other things that he is, he speaks his own truth, okay, he has his own way of seeing the world. Before he was cancelled, there were over five million followers on his social media feed. So clearly, there's an audience of people that go, "I agree with that point of view." Right, right. And I suppose that's all you have to do. Or anyone has to do in business is to find your tribe that believe in what you believe in. Yeah,
0: I'm trying though. I'm trying to expand my tribe
1: rather than swap them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather be more civil and less controversial. And mm. I don't. I mean, you know. The person I am off camera is different than the person I, I am on camera. I just That's how I want to do it, you know what I mean? So
1: you're a misogynistic male chauvinist pig when Not you're like, Not quite camera. that far.
0: <laughs> I, say, I say because I love wordplay. <laughs> okay. I love wordplay, and so I love to get, like, the, my two buddies this morning, I'm always, like, I'm listening to what's going on in the conversation, and then I think, oh, this is going to get a rise out of these guys. I just want to see guys slapping their knees, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like I said... I can't even say what I said this morning. But boy, they laughed their asses off, and I knew they would because I can, you know, I've known them really well. So I just love saying outrageous things, you know, just piecing words together in a sentence that gets people to go, what was you that? Know, I love you know, that you say that. My,
1: my, my wife is from uh, a place called Uzbekistan, which is a Russian-speaking ex-Soviet Union country. Mm-hmm. Now, she was educated in the U.K., has lived overseas most of her life. But we have something in England called Panta okay hmm. and it's you know it's where you have a dig at your mates and a right. proper people you know and it, it's just like you were talking banter about or banter banter b-a-n-t-e-r yeah we have that here. yeah okay so we have, so we have banter and 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 so if i'm if i'm talking to somebody that understands what banter is guess what it's just you know it's gentle teasing having a bit of fun with people love that okay live there my wife doesn't get that she's like how could you say that to that person? Or how could you say that to him? And I'm like, well, he's English. He gets it. She, she's like, yeah, Or, or from yeah. New York, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, just, they get it from yeah. there, these places. But, she's such a, but it's just like, but, you know, is, is that is that normal? And I'm like... Know, I'm just having a bit of fun, right? Come on, this right. is no. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you're an arsehole. I'm saying you're
0: an asshole. You know, it's, it's, it's Well, a bit... well sarc- We grew up with sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yeah. Sarcasm was everything. That's how you had a conversation. I'm, I mean, I, I started working with this girl. We used to go on the road and do all these live events, fitness events, and she was so sweet, and so smart, and so funny. But she didn't get the joke. So she, I would knock <laughs> on her door. Right, we'd be somewhere. We'd be in Indianapolis or Pittsburgh, and she opened the door, and I go, oh, oh my god. You're not going to wear that? You're not, And it's fine. It's fine. Let's go. What? What? What do you mean? I'll change. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, Trace, I'm kidding. No, I'll change. No, actually, I'm just kidding. Well, if you don't like the way... I, no, no, seriously, this is a joke. But why would you say that? Why would you say that I look... No, you look fabulous. You know how you... You dress great. Seriously, how long do we have to spend having this conversation for you to figure out that this is called sarcasm? You know what I mean? And some people just don't get it. You know what I mean? And all my friends are either comics. I don't, a lot of my close friends are comics or actors. Because if so you've got lots of friends that are comics, are they manic depressives as well? The ones that I'm with are moody. <laughs> moody. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> they're not like this. You know what I mean? They're They're pretty successful, but they have their ups and downs like anybody else. I mean, I I'm I'm not. I mean I the person I am with you is the person you see on, on on the videos it's the same guy I don't have to create some kind of persona there's a lot of people in my business that are absolute world class churlish curmudgeons you know what i mean it's like i'm famous and i have money so now i can treat everybody like crap like, oh you're a fitness trainer on an infomercial well who gives you the right to treat people poorly if somebody comes up to me i sign the autograph i take the picture i have the conversation you know unless i'm humping through the airport trying to catch a connection but i, I mean these are people that have who see me every day for for years who have lost 100 there was some guy on the colbert show the other day this actor on on uh on the FBI, on a show called FBI, talking about his P90X story with Tony Horton, how he lost 120 pounds, you know what I mean? And he's going to be on my podcast uh, coming up, so my web series, and I just love meeting people, I love talking to people, I love the fact that that this thing that I was trying to create so that I could make a few dollars, you never have any, you have no idea how much of an impact it's had on folks. Okay, let's talk about business for a second
1: there, because you in this whole world of, personal development, personal fitness and health. We have in Dubai every year where, where, where I'm based, we have the 30-day the challenge that comes once a year. just started on Monday of this, this mm. week um, where everyone competes and companies compete, corporations compete. 30 days, it's, there's a step challenge or there'll be other challenges that take place. Right. And so there's a big, by the rulers of the country, okay, that put this in place. And so everybody gets a chance then for 30 days to compete. And it's encouraged and promoted and celebrated in a really positive way. That's good. There's stacks of personal trainers in the UAE. They get paid more money than they would probably in the UK or in their home country. So Mm. they're getting maybe $100, $120 an hour, that kind of stuff. And so for a lot of them, that's relatively reasonable. And they can have a relatively nice standard of living. However, when COVID came along, this whole... uh concept of instead of training one-to-one you trained Mm one-to-many become become highlighted to a lot of people they were like hold on a minute here if i charge you know 100 people 20 bucks an hour and i'm doing group training then there's more money in it for me Mm -hmm. and so they were trying to work out how to come up with programs to do certain stuff so that they could infiltrate that market right most failed yeah most Most wanted to do it, but most failed. So what were your secrets to success along the way to get to a place where you became essentially an icon of that type of world? You created these programs that have got better and better and better. You've got more and more customers, clients that have bought into those programs, whether they're doing them from home or some other other location. And so that's mushroomed out. That's almost the, almost the dream for a personal trainer that wants to be a trainer plus build a really successful career. So, what were you doing, or what were you thinking, or how were you behaving differently around that subject matter?
0: Well, I mean, I was very atypical when it came to everything that I did compared to everybody else. Number one, I made it fun, out of the box fun. I gave people not one, but three different options to do a particular exercise. You know what I mean? So, if you're watching me in my cast, you, know, you got Sally over here, she's modifying, you got Tim over here, he's jumping through the roof, and you got, you know, uh, Alice, and she's somewhere in between. Pick one that kind of resonates with you. All right? And, oh, by the way, if you don't feel like doing any of it, march in place or turn it off. Nobody ever did that before. And I was, you know, I had I had an improv and comedy background. And and um, so I wasn't, you know, a lot of trainers are so serious about it because it's just the exercise, it's serious. So, A, it's hard as hell, and now you're going to make it serious? I'm out. Hmm. You know what I mean? So I surrounded myself with cast members. I put mics on them all. So they were able to communicate with me as much and often as they wanted. They weren't just robot people who were really pretty in the background that we hired because they looked good. We hired people who were slightly overweight, or people who were like goofy and silly, like me. And I and then I think the, the magic thing is we called it muscle confusion with 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 other programs. And I still do some version of that. I just gave them, I gave them everything. I gave them the whole farm. I gave them the plyo and the cardio and the weightlifting and the body weight and the core and the. So you know. It was just giving them that variety, you know, because I didn't want them to become a master of, of the program. I wanted them to kind of dabble uh, in things that were as much about their weaknesses as their strengths. There's going to be elements to this, you guys and gals, that, that's going to be foreign and weird and odd and terrible. That's where I want you to put your focus. You're going to enjoy the workouts that you can kind of do already. So you cardio junkies, you're going to love those routines. You weightlifters, you're going to love those. But I don't want you – like everybody skipped the yoga in P90X because it was an hour and a half half of flow. So after that, I went, okay, people just aren't up for that hour and a half. So I made them 50 minutes. I made them 30 minutes. And in this new program I'm doing called The Power of Four, I gave them – I created something called Stop Options. You know, I mean, if people aren't doing something, then it's as much my fault as theirs. So I have, to, I have to open as many doors for folks as possible so they step in and stick around. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so if I've got the variety and I've got the fun and I've got the humor and I've got the cast members and the set looks pretty good and, and they have, you know, 15 ways to do any ever exercise, the odds of them, contain, you know, not only opening the door but staying in the room and showing up week after week, month after month go up. Now, a lot of trainers, like one of the courses that I want to create is teaching trainers how to build their persona in such a way. Like, you know, why does Tony Little, I mean, he's got that gazelle thing, and he's stuck around for a long time. Richard Simmons, myself, Kathy Smith, uh, Tracy Austin, big personalities, right? You, you, I mean, if you want to be successful, you got to be a cool cat to hang out with. I'm a cool cat to hang out with. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've no, got you, to you be- have
1: a bit of character, a bit of person, yeah. something about you. Yeah, yeah, a bit yeah, of substance. Yeah. Yeah. But, but let's, let's just stay on this business side of it because I want to really understand it. Most people don't know how. Give me, give me a number here. Roughly how many people have been through your programs? Roughly.
0: Well, I don't know. I haven't tracked that in a long, long time. But with Beachbody back in the day, 12, 15, 20 million?
1: 12, 15, or 20 million. Let's take the lowest number. At least 12 million people have been through these programs.
0: No matter where I go—Mexico, Canada, the United States, Japan, France—I mean, everybody. You're recognizing people all over the world. Yeah, I mean, not everybody recognizes me. I'm not Brad Pitt, you know. No, I mean? of course. Of I'm course. sort of—I'm a, a C-minus celebrity, fitness but, celebrity. But, you but when mean- it comes to fitness gurus, I don't know. People tell me that I'm more known than my, most.
1: Okay, so when 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 you and I were younger, before the internet existed, which most people watching might not know what that was like, (laughs) Um, when before the internet was around, there was infomercials, and so in the states you had many more TV channels than us in the UK. We had kind of four, and then slowly we had. Well, we had three when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, we had three, and then we added a fourth, and then you know now there's then you had the the whole yeah. 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 And that's, that, well, that's when infomercials started to come, because they first appeared on our televisions, at, I think it was around midnight until 7 a.m. Do you remember before breakfast
0: television started? There was this stuff.
1: Right. You know? right. Do, do you remember? Because right. we had breakfast and TV. And that, that's
0: how I, I mean, even with the, you know, here's what's interesting. When I started, the internet was brand new. So infomercials were the main source in which you would learn how to buy a a, a knife, or or a, yeah, yeah. Or, or a piece of that piece vacuum of the, cleaner that did or, wonders, steamer, the or, yeah. or, or a blender, or whatever yeah, it, it was <laughs> different, or those pans where you could, you know, you could scratch it and it was perfect. You know what I mean? So there was all those cheese grades, or, 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 or the or the or the or the stuff that you paint, and you, you know, like the Atlantic Ocean will not penetrate this. Thing. You know, whatever, whatever it was. But that uh, that was it. I mean. People were filming themselves based on the results they were getting, but they were using cameras on their shoulder. You know what I mean? And they were submitting, you know, this horrible old footage. But we ended up using that. I remember going into a chat room for the first time. Like, said, "Hey, man, you should go. There's a Beachbody chat room." I go, "What? what the hell? What is that?" Well, there's people in there talking about the program. You should go in there and say hello. And so I'd go in there, and they'd go, "It's not Tony Horton. You're pretend." So I had to. I spent the first half hour, you know, doing a a, a quiz. To answer that it was actually me. So it was all, all brand new and then you know over the course of the first 10 years the internet became big and it and that's why you know it was doing this initially and then with the internet and with those with people you know starting to shoot on their phone there was all this content all these before and after pictures and all these videos and that's how it got from like 1 or 2 million to 12 15 20 million.
1: But you were you were actually uh, kind of one of those fitness people on various products was it Thigh Master, or I was on a
0: thigh. The original Thigh Master. I was no, a young,
1: uh, and, and the other one, which skiers love, the Nordic track.
0: Nordic track. I was on Nordic track. Yeah. So I, you were,
1: you were that, you were that fit, buff dude that was sitting with the thigh I Master was a, between I was his a, legs.
0: I was a fit at my. I remember when I first got my agent in, in L.A. I, I'd gone to college. I did the weightlifting class, then I the class ended, and I had another year and a half. And I just did, you know, I was eating whatever and drinking and partying and everything else. And I got to L.A. and I finally got an agent. And the agent went, you you know, you got to fix that. That's not right. So I just, I joined four gyms. I was like this, I had an agent like this, you know, like only, only big time actors have agents that are going Johnny Carson or whatever. And so I got super fit and I started working and they were just jobs. They were just, you show up and do a job. It wasn't like it was a career. I don't even, I don't even think I was training anybody yet. Yeah, so just a regular dude there. Wearing in a cutoff tank top. Usually, <laughs> usually aqua blue and pink. You know what I mean? <laughs> And uh, but you know I was in my twenties and boy it looked it was very good back then.
1: We we had we had a guy on the TV in the UK called Mr Motivator, and we had a lady called the Green Goddess. So Mr. Motivator was this black guy that would come on breakfast TV in the morning. And he was like, he he, he had some Caribbean in him because he was one of those really jovial Caribbean type of guys. And he was hilarious. And he'd be calling you out on TV as he'd be in his leotard as he'd be doing his workout.
0: Come on, you lot. Let's do some work. We we have a guy, Gerard, I think it was. Yes. Like he was, he had all the women. He was on the beach. It was just like. Big cardio all choreographed it was spectacular to watch and that's the reason why he was popular because they had had the round
1: mats didn't they that's right and they were working at girard
0: well i remember that yeah yeah i mean it all started with jack l'alane i mean i'm 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 still friendly with his wife elaine l'alane which is trippy that her name matches um but yeah jack was the first real celebrity trainer ever yeah and so i mean i actually got the jack l'alane award um a couple years back uh, but uh yeah, and so you know, now it's this big business, but what hasn't changed in the industry is it's eighty percent crap. It's just companies looking to sell this silly thing. I mean, what's the one now where there's a there's a step you can do and they talk about circulation and it goes like this. You can just do this with your feet. You don't need to you don't need to actually go buy the thing, you can just do this, which probably is, is better than you nothing. Know, yeah, probably than smoking, you know, crack. This is slightly <laughs> better than that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but yeah, you know, I mean, where's the variety in that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's still out there. And it was, and back before I started, it was ninety nine percent garbage. I, the reason why mine was such a shocker is because most people who were flipping channels went, that looks like real exercise. I mean, that looks like gym class. That looks
1: no, this, that's not true. No, no, it's not true at all. It started off with the catalogs. Okay. No, I'm saying when I came. No, no, year, no, 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 they weren't. They weren't doing that. They stopped. The Charles the, the, Atlas catalogs? No, the the, the various catalogs that had everything from from a push bike to a you know maternity dress in it. Okay, those catalogs where people who used to buy stuff. Right. Okay, went from there, from kids there, then they'd go onto the TV channels. Because it was around about the time that MTV came about as well. Mm-hmm. And people would see these these hot women working out, and they'd be like, oi, oi. And then they would go MTV, they'd all of a sudden see these attractive women dancing. Okay, oi, oi, what's that all about? And I think that's what what, what was what was the people stopping on the channels back then. Well,
0: true. Oh, maybe they, the they women, were, then the they women were stopping, looking at you too. you were stopping for the visual candy yeah you, but, you were but, eye candy in your in your uh, top. well maybe I, yeah I, I never you know because that was i got paid once and i went back to la <laughs> i shot all that in minneapolis um but i never knew how successful it all was i mean if it was running on tv then i figured it was successful then all of a sudden it was off probably because people got the message and they yeah probably 35 percent of them got put in a box and sent back you know so who knows
1: oh yeah returns Oh, some mm-hmm. people but the secret to something that you would sell on an infomercial for fitness was whether it could fit under your bed or not. Yes. Yes. (laughs) If it could fit under the bed, it would get shoved under there. That was a
0: huge selling point. You know, I mean... Power ninety, which was pre-painted, yeah, was, that, on the yeah that will fit right underneath there. <laughs> you could, you could, you could even work at your desk and do that. You know? Your foldable yeah. desk. Oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing a typewriter. Wow, what's what that? There. Yeah. Yeah, it was during the yeah, the so people the, would think you're air traffic control if you yeah, yes, did that during the big first the big war. They were doing that. Um, tell tell me something,
1: just before we finish up here. Hmm. Where, where do you get your inspiration from? Who inspires you? Who are the who are the people in your life that have really made you go for it and, and and pushed you to places that maybe you wouldn't have done naturally yourself along the way
0: i didn't have any of that as a kid my mm-hmm. father was on the road monday through friday mm-hmm. and the co- i was on the football team as a kid and the yeah. coach was just a bastard he was a, not a good person and he could care less about me he used me as a tackling dummy during the week i'd rarely played you know what i mean i never ran into and there's still a lot of that going on there's a lot of coaches and and teachers and mentors that are They're just mean people, and all they care about is the win-loss column. They don't really care about cultivating talent, you know what I mean? So I didn't have any of that. And for me, I remember reading my first personal development book. Like, what the heck is... You know, we called it self-help back in the day. And, you know, it was Andrew Weil and Deepak Chopra and uh, a little bit of Tony Robbins and uh, M. Scott Peck and and uh, Richard Carlson and all these books that I just immersed myself in because I was stuck in every possible way, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, when it came to relationships, it was, I mean, you know, it was some weed and some, and some, you know, bad food and, 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 you know, beer and, and just trying to, you know, meet women. It was not, and I was broke. I was in debt. It was terrible. And I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired of my, my situation. and, and I, didn't, I read a personal development book in, in um, I think it was called Your Erroneous Zones, or Looking Out for Number One. Uh, maybe, it was Ant, maybe it was a Wayne Dyer book. But it was such fascinating information that I had never gotten before. I never got it in school. And I thought, well, this guy's pretty bright. I'm just going to start doing a journal. I'm going to stop doing these behaviors, which are, you know, obviously, like they would, they would tell you about all the things that were causing your problems. I go, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. I should stop doing those things just get up a little bit earlier, start doing a journal, you know, get outside of your comfort zone, open up the door that you would never, you know, just say yes to more things and stop being attached to the outcome. You know, like I was so attached to the outcome. I was so, I was so paralyzed by other people's opinions and all this stuff stifled me. And so I just, you know what I mean? It's like, I just stopped doing those things and I tried experimenting with some other things and I just kept, I was this voracious reader. And, um, and I went to a lot of seminars. There were a lot of est seminars and Temino seminars and they were always down by the airport i don't know why maybe because <laughs> the, the guru, hotels are cheap could to escape, book. escape if they needed to <laughs> but you know what i mean i really i fell in love with that kind of stuff and and then i started taking acting classes so much so for me it was it was iver francis early on it was this guy daryl hickman it was this other all my acting coaches brian reese that really i got so outside of my comfort zone and when my buddy my buddy renny uh, berger said. Dude, you're funny. We should start doing stand-up. Let's just do some open mic nights. You know, So you just show up in Pasadena, you, you, right? You're fighting traffic, and you, put your, you pull your name out of a hat. Oh, I have the 11.30 p.m. spot. Yeah. Fabulous. What time is it? 7.30. So you're just sitting outside listening to a bunch of clowns, smoke, you know, tell crappy jokes and smoke cigarettes, and you waited for your moment to get on stage in front of eight people. I mean, my skin got thick super thick you know what i mean
1: that's rejection in a big way Rejection
0: over and you go to auditions right you walk into a room and there's 40 guys and they look exactly like you (laughs) i had no idea that i had so many doppelgangers (laughs) right you know what i mean and then you'd get a call back yes and then you get like you put on a veil which is like you know you're on a veil but there's 10 other guys on a veil you know on availability to book the job it was just you know being in this town and then trying to recruit you know i was a handyman and i was a I was a bartender, and I was a waiter, and I was a, I was a go-go dancer at Chippendale's. Dance. I mean, I had, when I ran out of money, I would go down to the Santa Monica Pier, or I'd go into Westwood where UCLA is, and I'd put on my mime outfit, and I would put my hat down, and I would do mime, dude, until I saw about twenty-five bucks in that hat, and then I'd go to the local liquor store, and I'd buy some yogurt and Cheerios, and I'd live on that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner until I got another bartending job, or until I, you know. And then I finally got a job at 20th Century Fox as a PA and I got to be on the set and I got to be with this crowd and I started working out and I started training my boss and then my boss introduced me to Tom Petty and Tom Petty, I had him for four months and I got him on that tour and the whole world went like, holy smokes, Tom Petty. And then Billy Idol called Mike, fantastic, he looks great. How's my English accent? It's all right. (laughs) Shit. Shit, it (laughs) Right. F off. Um, And then I got Billy in shape and then it just blew up and then I didn't have to do Mime at the Pier and I didn't have to Weight tables anymore, and now I'm a trainer, but I wasn't certified. But I would go to the gym and I would steal from from uh, Lou Ferrigno and and, and uh, Arnold. I would just watch Arnold, and I go, forty five sets of chest seems extreme, but okay, screw it. You know what <laughs> I mean? And I would put them through the paces, and we would talk. When I trained people, I would we talk about everything. We didn't talk about fitness. I like, go, all right, man, let's go. Get on the floor. How many are you gonna do? I don't know. Ten. The answer is twelve. Go. You know what I mean? It was that was the way they liked that. All right, 12. I'll give you a freaking you know 12. <laughs> How about 12? You're going to pick up those 15s? How about 20s? Oh, yeah. Arr, <laughs> give me this. Arr, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then that just trans. Then all of a sudden, I got a job with this guy, Carl Deichler, and we did this thing called Power 90. And I lived in my apartment for 21 and a half years. I was $60,000 in debt. I had two cars because one of them was always broken down from driving from Malibu to Culver City to Hollywood. You know what I mean? And we did this little infomercial, and I got royalty checks. And I got out of debt, and I bought a home, and then we did P90X, and and now you know that beach body wave came in because that those waves they always come to shore, and then I got my own supplement line, and I have my I'm working for Tonal, and I have, my wife and I have this cool project called the Power of Four, and you know what I mean? It's like always in shape, always eating right, always treating people fairly, you know, always open minded to new ideas and new techniques and new methods that are you know maybe upgrading mine, you know what I mean, and and getting back to happy. For me, it's about joy, happiness, and laughter. If I don't have those three things in my day every day, then I'm doing something wrong. That means I'm dehydrated, or I didn't sleep well, or I had an argument with somebody where I, I took the wrong tact and I should have just been listening instead of giving opinions that they weren't ready for. The worst kind of advice to give is the kind that's never been asked for in the first place, because your best intentions are received with resentment. I learned that lesson a long time ago, so now I just shut the F up and I'm a better listener. It has been an absolute joy. Chat to you a lot of fun. well you're good at what you do and i really enjoyed this this was I a appreciate blast. it thank you spencer tony thanks for coming on the show my pleasure